Welcome, I'm Julie Bacon, and you're listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast, a podcast for dog handlers who are on a mission to achieve big goals. I will share lessons, insights, personal stories, and tools you can apply during your next show, trial, or test to help you strengthen your mental game and hopefully cue more consistently. So if you are ready to improve your competitive mindset, get out of your own way, and connect with your dog like never before, then it's time to get comfy, bring an open mind, and work your mindset. Hey everyone, and welcome back. This week we are tackling distractions. Um, Yes, things like squirrel, or things you hear outside the ring, or things that catch your attention when you really wish you were focusing. So some people are really surprised that they get distracted because they're busy, right? They're doing something and they're they're really engaged. They're engaged with their mind and their body. And, you know, you're running an agility course. How do you possibly have time to get distracted? And yet it happens. It happens all the time. Um, and the one thing I want to bring forward is think about our dogs, right? Our dogs get distracted all the time. And it's one of the I mean, constant complaints, right, is, oh, my dog gets so distracted, or he's not paying attention, or I need to proof against distractions, or, you know, you hear that a lot, especially, well, in every ring, really, (laughs) in every ring. Um, But I think when we, when I think about foundation classes, and I think about how we train dogs, and work with our dogs, and work with our dogs through distractions, one of the things that I know that I've said is, well, it's fine if they look away so long as they look right back, right? And so we allow that, but over t- in the beginning, but over time, we expect and dogs build on their own a bigger capacity to hold their focus for longer. And therefore, what we see in the dogs is we see them, quote, working through distractions. And what we're really building in our dogs, and no, this is about handlers, I'll get there. Um, But what we're really building in our dogs is the ability to focus on the task, to focus on us. Um, We're asking them to focus on in that case, even multiple things, right? If you think of an agility ring, I need you to focus on the obstacle. I need you to focus on your task. I need you to focus on me and forget everything else, right? And so we think like, when we think about it in those terms, we think, oh, that's kind of a lot to ask. And yet our dogs can do it. They can't do it right away. Anyone who's watched any novice class of any sport um, knows that you're going to get the dog with the zoomies or the dog that can't focus or or the dog that does whatever the dog is going to do, right? And it's always funny when you're outside the ring, and it's not as funny when you're inside the ring, typically, and it's you trying to handle. And I'm using the dogs, I'm starting out with our dogs first, because I think that we understand distraction as a concept better when it comes to our dogs, and we are more forgiving about it, versus when we as handlers get distracted, Okay, so I'm going to tie this all back around, I promise, but let's stay with the dogs for a minute. So when you think about what a novice dog is doing, again, picture your own sport, your own ring, whichever. I'm going to use agility as an example today. Um, What you see is the dog responding to pressure. 
All right. And pressure can also be synops. Um, (laughs) I don't have the word. (laughs) Can also be the same as stress. There, I'll go for the cheap word. Um, Can also be the same as stress. And stress, remember, is good and bad, right? Buying a house is buying a car. Those are like good stresses. Um, But for dogs, you know, they don't really process the future. So when they are under stress, there's a part of them that that thinks it's forever, right? Because they only know the present. So they don't have this concept of in 45 seconds, this run will be over. Or, you know, for longer runs like obedience or draft when you're in the ring for a longer time in in five minutes, in eight minutes, this run will be over and the stress will be released. They don't really have that concept. So instead, they do crazy things. They go visit the judge. They itch. They sniff. They get the zoomies. They do. They go to the gate. Um, I had a dog who jumped out of the ring and went to the toy box back in the days where we got toys for um, just showing up for ring favors. Um so they do all kinds of things in that moment. And what it is is a, is a release valve, right? And so sometimes, you know, a student will say to an instructor, they'll say, oh, God, my dog is scratching. I can't believe that. Like, it drives me crazy. And, of course, that's a trigger for the handler. And, of course, it gets worse from there, right? Because now the dog was scratching because it was trying to relieve some stress. Now the handler's stressed about it. Now the dog's more stressed. And you see where the story is going. And we under, again, we understand it when we look at our dogs. We've seen this play out when we, when we look at our dogs. We've seen them, quote, disconnect or leave us when we turn into um, stress monsters at the other end of the leash. And they're like, I don't know who showed up today, but I'm going to go over here and check out this corner. Okay. So again, I bring that whole picture up because sometimes when we start and we don't know any better, and I'm going back to personal stories of my first burner, my first, uh, my novice A dog, um, I thought he was being bad, right? I thought he was, I couldn't believe he was still getting distracted. I thought he was being naughty. I, I just thought he was doing it on purpose. And I didn't understand that he was relieving pressure, right? Of course, now, a few dogs later, I have a little different perspective on that and a little more experience and exposure and all those things that come with time. So now let's switch back to humans and why we get distracted. Well, the reasons really aren't that different. Um, We sometimes get distracted because we are in a position of pressure or position of stress. And so even as we're running an agility round, I love agility. I don't really even get that nervous most of the time when I walk into an agility ring. Um, so I'm having fun doing agility. So why would I be distracted? Why would I need to be distracted? Why would I want to check out for a minute? Well, it's still s- stressful. It's a good stress, but I'm putting my mind through something in that moment where intense focus is required. I'm trying to run, um, not being the most graceful human. Um, I'm trying to manage the course. I'm trying to make sure I'm doing all the things. I have this laundry list in my head, yada, 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 right? There's a lot of things that we're trying to do. So sometimes when uh, a motion or a sound or something else catches our attention, it's literally our minds going, oh, phew, I need a, I need just, I need a quick break. And then we come right back. Okay. So again, it's not intentional. 
right? This is a survival skill. This is something that when we are under stress, we are supposed to look for a way to alleviate said stress, all right? Just like dogs, right? We are supposed to look, we're not supposed to be in stress, all right? It's all supposed to be easy peasy. Um, And of course it isn't. So the other thing, the other reason that we get distracted as humans is we are in today's world, I hate to say it, we're training ourselves to have really tiny attention spans, all right? You think about electronic media, you know, social media, you think about um, TikTok, right? TikTok started off as 60-second videos because that was about everybody's attention span, right? So you think about how the influence of technology and the influence of sound bites and how we get our news and the information and just scroll, the concept of like scrolling through a news feed now. So whether you're scrolling through Twitter or Facebook or any other, uh, even scrolling through the news, right? We are rewarded for only landing our attention on something for a very short time. So I think, and there's probably some study to back me up, but I don't know that, um, but our attention spans, well, they're not getting longer. Let's just say that, right? So, and we get rewarded. So if we think about positive reinforcement like we do with the dogs, we are positively reinforced for all of these little like jump, 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 jump to the next thing, okay? And we, as a society, reward the concept of multitasking and, and we hold it as a badge. Oh, I can multitask. I can da 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 Well, remember, multitasking is just the ability to bounce between things and back and forth and back and forth. So maybe, yeah, maybe you do have two spreadsheets open on your computer at work um, and you're multitasking because you're working on both of them. You're really bouncing back and forth. It's actually a great example because you literally have to switch screens, right? Um, Or at least switch where your eyes are focused. So when we think about that and we think about being rewarded both from what we get out of it, but also kind of society's opinion of it, I mean, why wouldn't our attention spans get shorter, all right? And why wouldn't we be um, kind of the next reason um, our, we get distracted is FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. You know, we also don't want to miss anything. God forbid, you know, I'm not caught up on my Instagram feed, right? Um, and did I miss something? Did somebody, you know, somebody will mention something or make a comment. You're like, oh my God, I missed it. When did that happen, right? When did when did it become that did celebrity news become that important, okay? So we've also again developed and then had positively re- rewarded for us this like fear of missing out. So if you see or hear something like outside the ring or maybe you're on your way into the ring or something catches your attention, we've been rewarded for that. Like, you know, what if, you know, if two dogs got into it and I'm on deck, it's not even related, maybe it's over in the corner and it's far away from me, I'm absolutely going to look, right? Because it's drama. I'm going to have questions. I'm going to want to know what happened, who was involved. Um, Is everybody okay? Oh my God, right? I mean, you can go there with me because you've been there. You understand what that's like. So it's no wonder that we are becoming more and more I'm going to say distractible, okay, which again, not really sure that's a word, but you know, okay. The other thing, the other reason we get distracted, right, because we're starting out with like, why does this even happen, is that we have survived 
you know, all the years as a species by paying attention and being on the lookout for threats. And the way we do that is by looking out for anomalies. So an anomaly in our environment could potentially need to be addressed, right? Anthropologically, when we look back, you know, a bear walking through campsite, that could be a threat. It might not be, um, but it could be a threat. So we are tuned into anomalies because they're out of the ordinary and they, they may need our attention, okay? We might have to do something about that. So again, whether it's a sound, whether it's motion, um, whether it's something out of the ordinary that catches our attention, it becomes something that our mind says, wait, do I need to worry about that? Like, is that a thing? Like, do I, do I need to pay attention? And that goes back a few millennial, right? A millennium, whatever, you know, me, words. Um, that goes back a ways. <laughs> um, and so we have to cut ourselves a little break in that that's how we survived. Related to that is how our peripheral vision works. And it works primarily with motion, all right? If we see something, you know, that expression, I saw it out of the corner of my eye, chances are it moved, right? Whatever it was moved out of the corner of your eye. It wasn't stationary. So again, that same, our peripheral vision was designed to kind of catch things off to the side, the things that we weren't really paying attention and catch us by motion. So you could be running a course and something out of the order of the, out of the corner of your eye moves and catches your attention, all right? Again, that's your survival instincts kicking in. Those are ancient things. Now, you say, well, it's been a while since we've been cavemen and we've had to worry about, you know, bears and threats and things coming at us and especially while we're in the ring. But, you know, when you factor everything together and you say like, okay, we're rewarding our shorter attention spans. We are rewarding FOMO. We are, you know, and by rewarding, you know, I mean positively reinforcing. Um, then no wonder those, the things that happen in our periphery or things that are anomalies are catching our attention because they might not be danger anymore, but they might be interesting, right? They might be fascinating or we might really need to look at that, okay? So I think those are kind of the core reasons that we get distracted, right? And, um, you know, we're used to also in our homes, you know, getting distracted by our dogs all the time. So the other layer I would add here is that as dog owners, we have our RAS on for another layer of anomalies, right? So if I were in the ring and I heard a dog like cry out in like maybe pain or distress, that would absolutely catch my attention, right? Because I am now conditioned to respond in some way to that sound, okay? Um, Also, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the the joke, the meme about... um, what would be the best alarm clock for dog owners? And it's the sound of your dog about to throw up, right? So there are just certain sounds or certain things that we are on the lookout for that we've conditioned ourselves to respond to no matter what. And so that plays into it also. Um, You know, if someone says your name, like 
you're going to respond. You could be in the mall. You could be in the mall and you know that you don't know anyone else in the mall and yet someone says your name and you're going to look, okay? Because you've been conditioned to turn your head when someone says your name. All right. So we've kind of also started to segue into why we get distracted. Um, But I think some of the other reasons are is that, you know, going back to the dog example, it relieves pressure for us too. All right. It, you know, when we're running a course, we're under a good stress, I would argue, or maybe some would say it's a bad stress because their ring nerves are killing them. Um, But it relieves pressure for us as well. So even that nanosecond of like your eyes look out of the ring or you, you know, something catches your ear and maybe you don't turn your head, but your attention goes to that for a second. It is a really quick release of the pressure and the focus that you are executing against, I guess, in the ring. And um, we think we don't need a break But maybe our brains are telling us otherwise because it's easy enough to distract us. All right. All right. So, and again, we get rewarded for paying attention to, quote, all the things. I think, though, to those people who teach classes, dog classes, um, are also have a, I'm going to say a broader RAS for things that are going on in the class, right? So you're teaching a group class, you might have 10 students in the building, and you're trying to pay attention to what's going on with all of them. Well, sometimes it's hard to turn that habit off when you walk into the ring for your own competition, for yourself, right? Because you're still, some level of you is kind of still in teacher mode, still feeling like you have to pay attention to the entire environment. And that can be stressful, right? You feel like somehow you're responsible for the whole environment. And we're going to get, that's the opposite of that actually is something to work on when we get into what we do about it. So I want you to think about why you're, what, what of the, th- the list of reasons And the list of sort of definitions, if you will, of like what kind of distractions. I want you to think about which one you resonate with, right? Because it's not all of them. Um, When I was riding horses, I was very focused. um, And I felt like I was very much, quote, in the zone and, you know, and very much focused on task. But if my trainer whispered, anything and I could have been on the other side of the ring I would hear it there was no question I could hear her um right now if she walked into some other level of my house and just whispered something um you know inside rain uh, you know I would absolutely hear it because I had my focus and my attention and my razz on for that voice because that usually meant input I needed to do something immediately right um, so again, we train ourselves. So just think back to like all of those things I sort of, um, I don't know, just sort of fired at you, I guess, of all the kind of potential reasons we get distracted. The other thing I'm going to tie into this, um, because I think it's going to help you go back and solve it, is think about how you get distracted in other environments. So whether you're at home, whether you're at work, um, maybe you're a procrastinator, um, all of those are relief valves, 
right? Um, I know, for instance, I will put off doing a task that I don't really, I'm not really sure of. I don't really know how to do perfectly. So I wonder, is that the point in the ring I get distracted too because I'm coming up on a harder turn? Or maybe I just got done with a harder like turn or like a, a side change or something like that that I was worried about. So it's interesting to think about, you know, even in an agility course, it's not all the same, right? There's some easy parts, there's some harder parts, there's some more thoughtful parts, um, parts you have to think about harder, same with obedience, same with basically every sport. So if you liken it and you carry that over to work, same thing. There's some harder parts, some easier parts, some things you do on autopilot, some things you really have to think about. And I know for me, I'm always looking for a relief valve if something is, quote, hard or difficult or I'm doing it for the first time, right? I'll suddenly take a lot of breaks or I'll need to use the restroom a lot. Like, oh my God, I need another drink of water, right? So there's all kinds of ways that we release pressure. And I've kind of come to think that our distraction or distractibility really is really related to our comfort level and our how we are feeling pressure or stress in that moment and we may not even be aware of it right we may just think like no I just thought I was like running a course it was all fine and dandy but maybe it's not you know maybe there are parts of it that are harder or whatever okay again just think about it not in your head, not having a conversation with you one-on-one right now to dig into this. So we're going to have to guess a little bit and um, just think about what could be causing it for you. Okay. So I'm going to catch my breath and I'll be right back. All right. Just a quick break as I give a shameless plug to one of my favorite masterclasses, and that is the Q Resilience Masterclass. It is available on theqcoach.com, and it is now available as a standalone, self-serve, do-it-whenever-you-feel-you-need-it course, and it was created because I felt like we all needed to build our skill around resilience, because we need resilience when it comes to coming out of a setback or returning from a disappointment or even resetting in between classes or days or trials or events or what have you. You know, not everything goes perfectly. Not everything goes according to plan. And sometimes we need a little help coming back from that. So a lot of people talk about, hey, how do I bounce back? And I don't really want you to bounce back. I want you to bounce forward. I want you to recover. I want you to reconnect, maybe redo your plan. Um, And I want you to have those skills. And so that's why I created the Q Resilience Masterclass. And like I said, it's now available self-serve. So check it out on theqcoach.com. And if you take it, let me know what you think. Thanks. All right, now let's talk about what to do about it. All right, so as we talk about what to do, I want you to think about what you do for your dogs when you are working distraction, okay? So yes, people and dogs. Um, Also what you do in the rest of your life, right? We started to talk about that at the end uh, just now of um, whether it's work or you're retired or it's something around the house or you get distracted just walking from room to room. Like what, how is that working out for you? Because those are our practice times, okay? We can't put ourselves in the ring and we've got so much else to think about. So in competition, it's kind of the last place we want to be, quote, practicing our distraction skills, right? Or our anti-distraction skills, I guess. So 
I want you to think about these other environments. And uh, training, of course, is a great place to work both distraction for you and your dog. Um, But I want you to think about the other places you can work on this because you're in those places more, right? You know, you're in the ring, even a trial for the weekend. If you run, you know, two classes a day for three days, you're in the ring six minutes, like that's it. So think about that. Think about the other, all the other minutes a day that you have to work on this and where else could you be working on it, okay? So that's a little bit, that's your challenge um, as I go through some of these tactics. Where else could you be working on building you know, focus, which is really the opposite of distraction, right? You're focused, you're in the moment, and you're present, all right? So, of course, being present is just, it's just so imperative to mental skills, okay? And it's imperative to mental skills because the present is the only thing we can do anything about, obviously. Um, Worry is in the future, And fretting about our past mistakes um, coming back is in the past, all right? We're thinking about something that happened previously. So when we get ring nerves, when we fret at the gate, when we um, worry about things or kind of stress out or don't handle a situation well, it's because we're either pulling the future into our present or pulling the past into our present. We're not here. We're thinking about something else, something that could go wrong or something that did go wrong and it might happen again. Oh, my God. So uh, it's really a skill to work your brain to stay in the present moment. And it is not easy. It sounds easy, but it's not easy. So that's kind of an underlying skill in everything mental management. And I probably say present (laughs) at least once on every podcast. Who knows? Um, So think about that. All right. So we, what we want to do about our distractibility is we want to work about regaining focus, okay? Because what's happening in that moment, of course, is we're disconnecting, even for a split second. Again, those of you who do agility, imagine that, and, and we've all probably done this, you're getting to the end of the weaves, maybe you're at pole eight, and you just lift your eye, the corner of your eye to look at the next obstacle and what does your dog do they fall out of the weaves because they caught you (laughs) they caught you looking and they were like oh now are we going there now and so for that moment you were thinking you wanted them to keep weaving but you were wondering where we're going next and the dog was like yeah where are we going next I'm with you that's exactly what's happening when you're getting distracted that's actually a version of you getting distracted in a sense right you're taking your eye off of the moment the present and you're looking to the next jump the future it's not exactly the same, but it's it's an example of that, all right? So if we think about that, every time we get distracted in the ring, we are literally disconnecting, even if for a nanosecond, all right? So being able to stay focused, being able to stay connected to our dogs, being able to stay present and in the moment and focused on what is happening right now is the battle. It is the battle. So... We need to build our focus muscle. And I believe it's just that. It is a muscle. It's a skill. It's something that we have to strengthen. And it's something we have to work all the time. So when I was talking earlier about the fact of like, look for other ways to practice the skill. 
we have to continue to invest in our mental skills just as much as we're investing in our handling skills. All right. It's that important. And the cool thing is, is we can work our mental skills when we're not with our dogs or not in a ring of whether it's practice or in a show. So that's the good news. All right. So we need to um, figure out how to improve that focus muscle. Okay. I'm just struggling for words today, apparently. Sorry. All right. So there's two things also. In addition to building focus, we also need to build our tolerance for pressure. And again, this is something our dogs have to learn too. I was in a seminar, a puppy seminar or young dog seminar very early in my novice A dog's career. And um, what the instructor said was, dogs have to learn stress. And it's a super short, really simple sentence that I have never forgotten because Again, in the wild, stress is bad and you must alleviate stress. Stress means danger. It means threat. It means bad things. It means fight or flight or freeze, but usually fight or flight. And stress can, if gone too far, then you get into fear and then you get into the brain is actually working differently and your physiology is kicking in and working differently. Okay. So, Dogs are have to learn that they will live through a stressful situation, right? They have to learn that a 45-second run, they will get through that, that that's all it is, that they go, they run, they survive. It's fine. But they have to learn that, okay? So in the same way, we have to learn and we have to be positively rewarded for keeping our focus for the length of time that we are in the ring. And that starts out of the ring, right? We have to learn that this pressure is temporary. You know, we can get through this. It's all related to confidence and resilience and all of these other skills that we are constantly pulling together. It's not as simple as saying, we'll just ignore what's going on outside of the ring. That's ridiculous, (laughs) right? Because it's not addressing the problem, right? That's like telling your dog, we'll just annoy the... why can't you just ignore the toy on the ground? We're healing right now, right? It's just, it's it's not, it's not apples and apples. It just doesn't make any sense, right? In this context, okay? So we need to understand both mentally, right? We need the concept in our brain and kind of in our bodies that we can survive this pressure. We can stay focused throughout this run, however long this run is, okay? So I think the way that we do that is, of course, focusing we can build through visualizations and meditation and just sitting and thinking about your breath for a minute, right? If you think about how long you're in the ring, let's let's flip the, the script on meditation for a minute, right? Because I know everybody's like, oh, meditation, I don't know how to do it, I can't do it, I can't sit still, I don't have time. I mean, nonsense, all of it, because you have three minutes. You wasted three minutes on Facebook today, right? You have time. So um, if you think about, if you say, well, how long do I need to meditate? My goal would be, you need to be able to meditate and hold, say, just think about only your breath and just your breath for the same amount of time as you are in the ring. And if you are only ever running agility and your longest run is a minute, then great, look at you. You only have to learn to meditate for a whole minute, okay? Um, And it's a minute without distraction. And if you are doing something like draft or obedience where you're in the ring for longer, 
right, or water work or field work or something like that, then two things, you have to work up to that, but you also have to be on the alert for breaks, right, and give yourself mental breaks. So obedience, you actually have a mental break in between exercises. Use it. Use it to like take a break, take a breath, get refocused, and then, okay, focus again for the next thing, okay? Draft, water work, all have little tiny breaks that you can look for. So again, your your need to focus isn't for as long as you think it is. And I really am going to challenge you to try to sit quietly and just think about your breathing. You don't even have to breathe fancy, right? You don't have to like hold it or count it or whatever. I think it's easier, right? I think it's easier when we count our breaths in, hold for a couple breaths, count them out, gives our brain something to do. And you just think about your breath, right? Okay, so that's part one. Visualization, I mentioned, is another one. And I learned this new sort of, not new probably, but a different take on visualization the other day. And it was to think about um, a snapshot. So think about a snapshot in you, like you would in your phone, right? So a picture, a photo, whatever. And think about a snapshot like that's like one of your favorite photos of a dog. Pick one of your dogs. It's your very favorite photo. And I want you to look at it you know, physically look at it. And then I want you to just close your eyes and remember everything about that moment. And I want you to put yourself there and I want you to feel what it sounded like and smelled like and, you know, try to invoke all the senses and what it felt like and who was there and what the moment was all about. And just let yourself get really into the details. And I'll bet when you go down that snapshot memory lane kind of thing, you actually can stay focused for pretty long. And the more details you add and the more layers you add in and the more you think about the the bigger day or the, the things that were happening around that moment, you, that ability gets to focus gets longer and longer. So that is also a really great foundational um kind of foundational piece to visualizing because what you're doing in that moment is you're remembering the actions, you're invoking your senses, and you're invoking your emotions. And in visualization, which we're not going to cover right now, but in visualization, that's part of making visualization sticky and making it really work for you. And I got a whole separate soapbox on visualization that, like I said, is not for today, But that's another thing that you can start to work on, um, build the foundational block for visualization while extending your ability to focus, okay? And plus it's enjoyable. Like who doesn't want to think about like pull up a great picture of you and your dog working or even like a mock photo or a, you know, I don't know, a trophy photo or some other brag photo and think about everything that went into that and how exciting that was and what a great day that was and all the emotions and all the things that went along with it. Those are good, happy memories. And um, actually, part of the context of this was you do that on your way to a trial so that you are building the connection with your dogs. Okay, so there you go. There's another use of this exercise, okay? All right, when we go back to relieving pressure and are building our tolerance for pressure, because that's the other thing we want to work on, um, we want to think about our preparation, our confidence, and our faith, 
okay? Because some of what gets us through and uh, builds our tolerance for pressure is the faith in ourselves that we can do it, okay? It goes back, and I, I know I've used it a couple times, but it goes back to that kind of I don't know, is it an analogy? Is it a parable? I don't know what the word is. But it's the, you know, the bird on the branch, on the shaky little skinny branch, doesn't have faith in the branch. It has faith in its wings, right? And so you're not looking for, um, you know, this ability to like power through everything or, or this tolerance for extreme pressure. What you're looking for is the faith in yourself that you've been in the ring before. You can be in this ring and you can make it through, right? You have the wings, if you will, to make it through this run. Um, and then, you know, of course, make it through successfully or the way you want to and things like that is kind of a goal conversation, right? Your process goals and how you're focused. Um, but it does speak to then what are you focused on while you're in the ring, okay? So, um, and I guess that would be maybe, you know, number three is holding your process goals and holding what it is that you're focused on. And that will help you too. But I think that's kind of for later, honestly, once you've got these first two down, you're building your focus and your ability to focus for maybe it's just a minute. Maybe it's just a minute without distraction. And you're building your tolerance for pressure so that when you get in the ring, you don't feel like you need a release valve. You don't feel like you need to look outside the ring or you need or want to look for, you know, a squirrel, you know, or some FOMO or an anomaly or something else that you are safe in that moment. You can focus on that moment and that everything else will wait. Everything else will wait. Okay. And that's a little bit of faith. That last thing that everything else will wait. You have to have faith that that's true, right? You have to believe that that's true, that everything else can wait. It's only going to be a minute that you're in the ring. You'll be fine. Okay, so um, as I kind of summarize here, I realize that in this podcast, I also was like struggling for some of my words. And I think part of that is, is distraction is really intensely personal, but also thinking about and talking about distraction is itself distracting, which I think is very interesting because we are allowing ourselves to kind of go down that road. So the other thing I will end with is don't give distraction that much attention because what we put our attention on is what we get more of. And I can feel in my body as I'm going through this podcast, every time I think about the concept of distraction, um, I go there. Just like if I think about the concept of like, I don't know, frosting, I can imagine what that would taste like right now too. Um, and so I'm about to do a no sugar July, so maybe that's why. Um, but the words that we say and the words that we think about evoke pictures and thoughts and emotions and memories. So you need to choose those really carefully. All right. And I think like I wasn't expecting to feel as disconnected and scattered in talking about this topic. Right. I have notes. I have things I want to say. I have an outline like I got a plan. And yet it's amazing to me. And that's why I'm kind of pausing on this with a little bit of like surprise and awe and realization is that 
when we give attention to these topics, we give them power and we give them space. So I would like to reframe, if you are someone who thinks that you are distracted or easily distracted, that I would like you to reframe that you are working on your focus. Because even as I say those two sentences, I have a very different feeling in my body, right? Which is kind of a surprise. Again, I'm just trying to have a conversation here about distraction, and yet I'm realizing it's having a really big impact on how my brain is working through my outline, okay? And that's a surprise. And it's a surprise I'm sharing real time because it is what it is. So your language, how you talk about it, how you think about it, how you're trying to solve for it, um, that all really matters. And it matters for anything that you're trying to solve. And it's why, you know, when you set goals or you think about a process goal or something you do or don't do or don't want to do, you have to frame it in the positive. You can't say, don't screw that up, right? You have to say, all right, I need to focus on X, Y, or Z, or my goal is to do X, Y, or Z, okay? Always to state things in the positive. So that's my, uh, I guess, surprise summary for the for this podcast as we sort of wrap up on distraction. I would love to know um, any feedback you have or how this hits you or if you still have questions or just kind of your experience with this and, and how you find this and uh, listening to this, what kind of... Um, emotions, thoughts, and comments you have for me. So as always, hit me up, DM me. Um, I'm on all the things. So with that, I will leave you for this week. And as always, I hope you have a great week with your dogs and also stay cool out there. Thanks so much for listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast with me, Julie Bacon. I am so grateful for your precious time. I would love it if you found me on Instagram or Facebook at The Q Coach and let me know how it's going. I also offer a monthly membership that's perfect for ongoing support of your awesome goals. Check out theqcoach.com for details or just stop by and check out the blog and other free content. And finally, be sure to share, subscribe, and leave a review as it helps us podcasters tremendously. Plus, I know I get my best podcast recommendations from friends. Thanks and have a great week with your dogs.